Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. One final thing I want to share with you before we jump into the Word is that next Sunday evening we will also be doing a Connect Group launch party. We're going to have all of our leaders and those that want to be leaders come, and we're going to have a great night of fun and and just get ready for the fall semester of groups. We believe that discipleship takes place in the context of relationships. Well, welcome to week number two of Covered. Anybody enjoy the first week last week? Anybody get something out of that? Amen. We're going to go a little deeper today. A lot of incredible feedback from last week's um, message, and I believe that God has a word for us today. I want to call this Use Your Key. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, Use Your Key. Come on, it's the wrong neighbor. Find another one. Say, Use Your Key. Use Your Key. All right? We're going to go to the book of Hebrews chapter 1, and um, before we read uh, a couple of scriptures there, I want to just slow down because how many know that it's important to understand context when we read Scripture? That, you know, I, I've seen preachers just pull a Scripture out of a, a context and make it fit whatever they're doing. But, but, but we, need to, we need to understand context is important. That, that we can't just pull out any Scripture and use it any way we want. We have to know the context. And so the context of Hebrews chapter 1 is the supremacy of Christ. That... Jesus has been given all authority. How many of you believe Jesus has been given all authority? All right, he's been given all authority, and and the writer of Hebrews is talking about his supremacy, that he has all authority, and part of the authority that he has is authority over the angels. Last week, we spent a lot of time on angels. Uh, We're going to do that again today and even next week because the angels are God's military. But let's look at Hebrews 1, verse 13. It says, but to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? God has never said that to an angel. God has only said that to Jesus Christ. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. Not only does Jesus sit at the right hand of the Father, but the Apostle Paul tells us in the book book of Ephesians that not only does Jesus sit there, but you and I also sit there. That as believers, who the people who have inherited salvation, that we were there with Christ when he was crucified, when he was buried, also though when he was resurrected, and the, the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians that we have been made to sit down in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What does that mean spiritually? It means that the devil is already under your feet. Come on, look at your neighbor and just smile. Come on. He's already under your feet. That means that warfare is not like this. Warfare is like this. Yeah, well, well, that's another sermon. Hebrews 1.14, it says, Are they not all ministering spirits, talking about the angels, sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Ministry here means public acts or public manifestations of service. Angels are here to do public acts of ministry. This is the biblical definition of angels. They are spiritual in nature, and they are called to serve, to minister. Serving and and ministry, though, we need to know it's not an occupation. It's not a profession that, 
that, you know, it's not a career. How many know that every person under the sound of my voice is in ministry? Two of you. We're all in ministry, and angels serve as ministers. They, they do public acts of service. Hebrews 1, concerning the angels, are they not all servants who do public acts of ministry? Now, some groundwork that we've laid is, number one, angels help. That's why they're here. Angels help. They, they minister to the heirs of salvation, which is you and I. The second thing that we established so far in this series is that we have been given authority over the angels, all right? And that's hard for a lot of people. They don't understand that we have access to God's military. And we're going to really dive in. This is going to be, hit your neighbor and say, this is going to be heavy today. Come on, it's, it's going to be heavy. Some of y'all are going to think, man, pastor's crazy. But, but I, if you'll hang in there today, I believe you're going to leave here and everywhere you go, the enemy's going to come down. All right? So we have authority over the angels. The third thing that we know is that the angels respond to God's word. They respond to the word of God. And it doesn't mean God has to be the one speaking it. You can speak the word and the angels will respond. That's Psalms 103. That's what we looked at last week, that the word of God is a seed. Mark tells us in Mark 4, the word is a seed and the angels are the reapers. God never called me to reap my own harvest. God called me to sow seed. God, God called me to sow seed, to plant, to water, but God gives the increase. How does God do that? Through his military, the angels. They are the ones who reap, okay? That's the fourth thing that we've learned. Psalm 121 says, I'll lift up my eyes to the hills from which comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. When God sends help, and I, you gotta grab this, all right? When God sends help, he doesn't get up and come down. A lot of us say, well, we're waiting on God. God is not going to get up and come down. He has already come down, and he has gone back up. Follow with me. He is sitting down, right? Right now, that's, that's what God is doing. And you and I are not going to get him back up. So what does help look like? What does it mean the battle belongs to the Lord? God has angels. They are his help. They are his military. They war on his behalf. They are his messengers. They are his worshipers. They are his fighters. There is a conflict in the heavens. All right? Now, walk with me for a minute. There are three heavens. Everybody say three heavens. Scripture talks about three heavens. The first is the earth's atmosphere. That's where you and I live and function. We are in the first heaven. But the Bible talks about a second heaven called the firmament. You can find that in Genesis 1. Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. Second heaven, the firmament, all right? That is where the conflict is. But the third heaven is the abode of God. Now, what we have to, to grab hold of and why this is important is that God is in the third heaven. We are in the first heaven. But there is a conflict in the second heaven. God's military are angelic forces. If your angelic forces are going to get what is in the third heaven to you in the first heaven, you're going to have to learn how to send them forth in number two. You're going to have to learn how to do that. There is a conflict that is going on. How many of you understand there are angels and there are demons? 
Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. This is the second heaven. This is the war that's going on. There is a battle over your faith, a battle over your kids, a battle over your finances, a battle over your health. And so we have to learn how to send forth our angels who have God has given charge over us to do battle in the second heaven. So we need to know, Jesus told us when you pray, pray thy kingdom come, right? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But to get what is in heaven into the earth, it's got to pass through number two. All right, there is a battle, there is a war. God wants to do amazing things in your life, but you gotta get what's in number three down into number one. And so Jesus has defeated, how many of you understand, Jesus has defeated the enemy? Like, like he, he, the conflict is not over you winning. It's not over you and I winning. Jesus has already won. He has defeated the enemy entirely. And there's nothing that Chad Dingus can do to increase upon what Jesus done. He defeated the devil. He defeated the enemy. So my job is not to get up in the morning and beat the devil. Jesus did that for me. My job, according to Luke 19, is to occupy until Jesus comes. All right? Everybody say occupy. I mean, it's not to defeat the enemy. Jesus has done that. My job is to occupy Luke 19, the parable is a master's leaving. He gives talents to his servants, and he tells them, occupy until I come back. All right? Jesus is, is telling us to do that, that there are promises that, that he has given, awesome promises that he has given, and Jesus wants us to occupy the promises until he comes back. My fight against the enemy is not to win, but to occupy what is already mine. Y'all struggling? It's not to win. It's to occupy what is already mine. Jesus has already made some things available. I don't have to, to win healing. By his stripes, I am healed. I don't have to win blessing. I know that God has blessed me. I don't have to win any of those things, but how many of you understand? Sometimes it is a struggle to occupy what is already mine. Sometimes it's a struggle to occupy the healing or occupy the blessing. How many of you have ever had to contend for your faith or for your peace? Like, you know God said, Jesus told us, my peace, I leave with you. But how many of you have ever had to contend to occupy that peace? Right? That even though we know it's a promise, we have to contend for it. We, we contend or we occupy that blessing. And so God's angels are sent to help us. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I wanted to, to, to lay that groundwork to get to some uh, deeper stuff. I want to take this a step further. If you were scratching your head last week, you're really going to be scratching your head today, all right? But I'm hoping that God will help me make this simple. And the first thing I want to share with you is the Bible is not a religious book. People... I found religion. Well, you didn't find Jesus because it's not religious. <laughs> this is not a religious book. And Jesus is not a religious figure. Now, people struggle with that because that's what we think of when we think of Jesus, when we think of church, when we think about the Bible. This is not a religious book. It's actually a legal book. 
Everybody say legal book. I'm going to prove it to you. I know you're struggling, but we're going to prove this to you. This is a legal book. Jesus is not a religious figure. And y'all, this is so tough because I know how we think of politicians. Jesus is not a religious figure. He is a political figure. That went over real well. (laughs) Jesus' message was not, I have a philosophy and a new teaching. Jesus showed up and he said, I am a king and I'm bringing a kingdom. And all the other kingdoms will bow down to my kingdom. How many know that all the nations will bow and acknowledge that Jesus is king? So he's a political figure. So he, he's, he's a king, and he's bringing a kingdom. And Isaiah 9 says that the government would be on his shoulders. The government would be on his shoulders. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. The increase of his government will increase your peace. What does that mean? It means the, the, the parts of my life, the more of my life that I give to Jesus, the more peace I'll have. Of the increase of his government, there will be no end. There will, that, that of, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So Jesus is a political figure. And so the Bible is not a religious book. It's not a book of, well, a, a bunch of commands that if I keep them, I'll be good enough to stay saved. Scripture says the angels come and minister to the heirs of salvation. What's he talking about in Hebrews 1? He's talking about the fact that you and I have inherited salvation. What does that mean? It means you didn't work for it. It means that you did nothing to earn it, nothing to get it, that that it is something that has been worked out for you. Right? Now, I know that if we grew up in church, some of us think, well, I'm, I'm good enough and all that stuff. You don't, you don't work for an inheritance. You work for a wage. So if you've inherited salvation, it's because Jesus worked it out for you. So we, ha- we have to understand that in one place in Scripture, salvation is called a gift, and the other place it's called an inheritance, either or. You need to know you didn't work to be saved. So the revelation is, is that everyone who accepts and inherits salvation now has legal rights and access to God's military force. You have access. Again, some of us have angels who are extremely bored. Why? Because angels don't respond to complaining. They don't respond to grumbling. They don't respond to negativity. They don't, they don't respond to doubt. Angels only move when they hear the word of God spoken out of my mouth. That I can grumble all day long, but it's not going ha- to help me one bit. How many of you have learned that your negativity won't change anything? This is going over well. All right. Some of us don't understand that nothing's going to happen until a word is spoken. That we give life to our life changing by the words that we speak. And some of us are waiting on a harvest, but there's been no seed planted. It's kind of difficult to expect a ship to come in that never set sail. 
If you've never spoken the word, there's no harvest coming back. If you've never declared the kingdom of God over your situation, there's no harvest to come in. So the Bible is not a religious book. The Bible is a legal book. We have an Old Testament and a New Testament. An old will and a new will. An old covenant and a new covenant. The old covenant points towards the new covenant, right? That we learn from the old, but we live in the new. If you've recently been saved, you don't need to start in the old covenant. You need to start in the new covenant because that's where your life is. It's the new covenant based on better promises that Jesus has delivered to us. And so we start in the New Testament to find our life. But we have to ask, what is a covenant? What is a will? It is what someone has legally left for you. That's what, a, that's what a will is. It's something that someone has legally left for you. But what we have to understand is that Jesus died. Jesus was buried. Jesus was resurrected. He ascended into the heavens. But we know that he came to specifically leave us with something. He worked out an inheritance for us. We are the heirs of salvation. He has left us a will. But what you have to know about a will is, is that a will is not activated until a person has deceased or moved on. The new covenant was only activated at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The new covenant was activated when Jesus moved on. He left you a will. All right? This is a legal book. Are you still with me? All right, because I'm going to show you what this means in just a second. If you are saved, do I have any folks saved in the house? If you are saved, check this out. You have legal rights to activate the new will as your inheritance. You have a right. Jesus died. Jesus rose again. Jesus ascended. These are not commandments that just help me be good. So I'm going to keep the Bible. It makes me better. It will change your life. But you need to know that good will send you to hell just like evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Some people think they don't need God because they're good. You need Jesus on your good day, friend, and you need Jesus on your bad day. That either way... Bad don't keep you from being saved, and good don't make you saved, baby. This is an inheritance that has been left to us by Jesus, who worked it out all by himself, who defeated death, hell, and the grave, and said, devil, you want any more of this? That's, that's the God we serve. I'm a king, and I'm bringing a kingdom. And you and I, as heirs of salvation, have a right, all right, and we have access to God's military, to God's forces that fight for him. The New Testament's full of promises. Because I am saved, I have legal rights to claim everything that has been left for me, everything that's been left for me in the will. It's a legal book. You still with me? New Testament gives Jesus some names. High priest, mediator, advocate. You know what all those terms have in common? They're all legal terms. That Jesus is my go-between. That he is the one who represents me. That I have legal authority if I have received Jesus. Now this is where we're going to get happy. Some of y'all came here sad. You ain't leaving sad. 
1 John 5, 14 and 15. It says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will. You see this? It's a legal book. Anything according to his will this is what Jesus left for us. These are the promises. They're right here. He hears us, and if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. The key is that it has to be in the will. Some of us are not speaking his will. We're speaking our will. And Jesus is not bound to fulfill promises that he did not give. But if he gave them, how many know they belong to us? So we got to find out what the will is. What, what has he promised us? In the Old Testament, the high priest would go into the presence of God on behalf of the people and take the prayers in. The people had no access to God. So the high priest would go in, and he, he would take the prayers. He would go in, represent the people. But in the New Testament, Jesus has now become our high priest. And listen, when Jesus died, was buried, and resurrected, and ascended into the heavens, Scripture says that he went into the Holy of Holies in heaven, and he didn't sprinkle the blood of a lamb or goat. It says that he walked in there and sprinkled his own blood on the mercy seat. And so what you got to understand is that when you pray, our high priest Jesus cultivates those prayers, and he takes them into the Father, and he says to us, I'll be right back. Some of us are frustrated because we feel like our prayers are not being answered. We feel like, well, maybe God is not hearing me. I came by to tell you, oh, he heard you, and he's already taken it on in. Sometimes you need to give God a praise that he's already taken your prayer in. So we have to occupy. We have to understand the authority that God has given us. And, and, and in this, there's two promises that if we know his word... We have legal rights to access it, to occupy it. And as Jesus being our advocate, our high priest, he is the one that makes up the difference. So John said, we have this confidence that, that, that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Aren't you thankful that God hears you? It's not because you were good. Not because you were bad that he didn't hear you and wasn't any of that. It's because of what Jesus has done. That's how God hears us. Now, we're going to get a little bit deeper because this is where the rubber meets the road. Matthew 16, 13 through 19. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do men say that I am? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind. I'm going to stop right there. Jesus said, I'm going to give you keys, and whatever you bind, whatever you bind, whatever you bind, y'all get in the picture. Whatever you bind, notice we're not waiting on God. 
He said, I'm going to give you some keys, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. A key, what is a key? A key is access. God has given us access to, to some amazing promises, but a lot of people, we sit up in church and act religious, and we say things like, I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting on God. And, and here's what we got to know. There has to be a connection between heaven and earth, but what I have learned is that earth is not waiting on heaven. Heaven is waiting on earth. God says, I'm going to give you a key and whatever you bind. So God says, I'm cutting a deal with you, but here's the deal. If you sit there, I'll sit there. But if you'll bind, I'll bind. What's God saying? He said, if we will use our key, that he will respond. Some of us are sitting and saying, I'm just waiting on God to move. God moved. He is light. Do you know how fast light travels? It don't take God but to be anywhere. You're not waiting on him. He's already done it. So heaven is waiting on earth. When he sees us move and use our keys, then God starts moving. The problem is, is we got it reversed and we think that we're waiting on God to move. And God is saying, I'm not moving at all until I see something in the earth start moving. People have to start using their key. And when God sees us using our key, I think God gets pretty excited about it because he's the one that gave us the key in the first place and said, whatsoever things you bind, I'll bind. Whatsoever things you lose, I'll lose. I'm going to kick this podium into the floor, I'm telling you. You're not waiting on heaven. Heaven is waiting on you. But you got to learn to use your key, and as you use your key, doors will start opening. Bind means to declare legal. That means we've been given authority to declare sickness is illegal. Maybe two of you are going to get it before we leave. It means to declare legal. Now check this out. Psalm 119.89. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your word, God, it's settled in heaven. All right, that's, that's the, the specific part of it. It's settled in heaven. In heaven, there's no resistance over God's word. I mean, there's no debate in heaven over healing. There's no argument over blessing and peace. In heaven. The issue's not heaven, the issue is earth. No one is fighting for healing in heaven. Not a debate in heaven. It's already settled there, but it's not settled in the earth. And so Jesus said, because it's not settled in the earth, I've given you keys and I want you to use your keys and whatever you declare as legal in earth, I'll declare legal in heaven and whatever things you, you say is illegal on earth, I will say is illegal in heaven. You know why we struggle with that? Because we all sitting around in our lazy boy. I'm waiting on Jesus. Come on, touch two people and say, use your key. Use your key. Your words will declare God's entrance or God's exit. No wonder 
the scripture says that there's life and death in the words I speak. No wonder the Bible is so heavy on the words that we say. And so God, he, he shows up to us and he says, you want to be protected? You want to be healed? You want to be covered? You want to know that I've got you back? Use your key. Start speaking the word. Start speaking what I have said. And God says that I'll start loosening some really awesome stuff if you will start speaking the word. So what does that look like? It looks like that when I'm going through hell that I go ahead and confess, God, I thank you that you've given your angels charge over me. God, I thank you that there's a hedge of protection all around my house. God, I thank you that I have favor with you and with man. God, I thank you that a thousand will fall at my right hand and 10,000 at my side. God, I'm not going to allow fear to paralyze me. I'm not concerned about the, the arrow by day or the pestilence by night. God, I am blessed in, the, in my uprising, in my down sitting. I am a, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. My kids will declare the glory of God. God, do you know what's happening when I'm doing that? I'm using my keys. Angels are being released on my behalf. But you know what we do? We bellyache. Instead of using our key, we speak death over all kinds of stuff. And here's what I would say to you. I can't use your key. I know you want a Facebook pastor and have his help, but he's a good guy, but you have a key. It, it, you know, how many you need to speak God's word over your kids, over your money, over your health, over your, the atmosphere of your home. You need to declare what's legal and illegal there. And when I speak the word, then, then sweet shall be my sleep and undisturbed shall be my rest. An army of angels are being dispatched on my behalf. Demons are being disarmed. God is sending help, and he's sending help in the area of your pain, in your marriage, and in, even in the areas that you may be addicted and struggling. God will send help, but I have to speak the word. If this is a legal book and you've been authorized by virtue of being saved, it means that, that by virtue of being saved, you've been authorized to practice law. There is a book in West Virginia of all those that have passed the bar exam who can practice law in the state of West Virginia. My name's not in that book. I cannot practice law in West Virginia. And the reason I can't is because, one, I didn't pass the bar exam, and the other thing is my name's not on the book, so they're not going to allow me to do it. And this is where it gets good. Luke 10, 17. Jesus sent the 70 out to do some cool stuff. Look at what happens. They returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Now, you got to picture this. He sends them out. They're doing awesome thing, casting out devils, laying hands on the sick. They're being healed, and they are so pumped up that they're like, Jesus, it works. Like, we, we went out there and used your name, and the devil started falling, and diseases started being cured, and all this cool stuff started happening. It, it actually worked. It's wonderful, Jesus. They're pumped up about it. Verse 18, Jesus said, yeah, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Not just when he fell from heaven, but 
I saw him fall like lightning when you walked into that house and that he had that house under his control. But when you walked in there, that spirit couldn't stay. I, I saw you go and that disease that the enemy had brought on that person had to go when you walked in. Some of y'all about to go home and change the entire atmosphere of your house because of what God has put on you. That the devil is going to fall. Now look, this is so cool. Verse 19, he said, Behold, I've given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm you. Jesus is letting them know, I got you covered, baby. I got your back. And then verse 20, this is where I may kick the podium. (laughs) Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Jesus said, don't get happy that the devil leaves when you show up, but get happy that your name's in the book. I've misunderstood that my whole life. I thought Jesus was just saying, don't be happy that the devil leaves when you show up. Just be happy that you're saved, and I believe that's part of it. But what you got to understand, Jesus is telling us, don't rejoice that the, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in the book, which means that you and I can practice law in the earth. Hey, come on, somebody. You have no idea what God has made available to you. And if your name's in the book, you have legal authority to do kingdom business. I may not be able to practice law, like set up a law practice in West Virginia, but there's a practice that's a whole lot better than that kind of practice. There is a kingdom that is coming into the earth to make this culture look more like the kingdom of heaven. The four gospel writers walked with Jesus. But how many know that as they walked with him and then wrote the four gospels, they picked up on different things along the way. Sometimes they would write about the same event, but, but like Matthew would pick up something from it that Mark didn't, or Mark would pick up something that Matthew didn't. And a great illustration of that is, is Mark and Luke both wrote about the season uh, of temptation that Jesus went into. Y'all remember when he went into the wilderness to be tempted 40 days and 40 nights of the enemy, and he had no food for 40 days, and the enemy's there tempting him. If you'll look at those stories from Mark and Luke closely, there's a couple of things that jump up, jump out. I'm going to share that, and then we're going to get out of here, all right? So hit your neighbor and say, he's almost done. All right, I'm not going to read it all to you. So Mark 1, 9 through 13, there it is on the screen. The very end of that, all Mark says is that he went in, and, and, and not only was he baptized, but he went into the wilderness and, and was there for 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with wild beasts, and the last line of that, and the angels ministered to Jesus. All right, so the angels are not working for him in this instance they're, they're, they're ministering, it's not just four, now it's two. The angels are ministering to him. That's all Mark had to say. But Luke wrote about the same thing. And, and Luke writes, and he talks about the conversation between the devil and Jesus. That three different ways, the enemy came, the devil came, and he's trying to get Jesus to you know, give over authority. He's trying to get Jesus to worship him. And all throughout it, Luke, he, he writes that every time the enemy came against Jesus, Jesus clearly said, it is written. Come on, everybody say, it is written. All three times, he said, it is written, and, and, and Mark 
get this, Mark doesn't give us the conversation, but he tells us about the angels. Luke doesn't tell us about the angels, but he gives you the conversation. Jesus has not eaten for 40 days, and the enemy is attacking him on an empty stomach, but the Bible says that he returned from that experience in the power of the Spirit. Mark says angels came and ministered to him, not on his behalf, but to him, and you may ask, why did the angels show up? The angels showed up because Jesus said all three times that he was tempted, it is written. Angels respond to the word of God spoken out of my mouth, which means that in Jesus' worst uh, wilderness experience, he came out in his greatest power because he was able to speak the word and the angels responded to the spoken word that came out of his mouth. You have been given authority to practice law in the earth and the same help that God sent to Jesus is also available to you. That if you could ever use your key, baby, and start speaking the word of God, there will be angels dispatched on your behalf. God's saying, I've got you covered. Use your key. Y'all done made me preach till I sweat. Come on, hit two people and say, use your key. When I speak God's word out of my mouth, help is on the way. How many ready to change what you say? Two of you. All right, y'all are real excited about this. I want you to get it because you have authority. You have access to help. Help don't always show up looking like help, though. You got you to know that. Our responsibility is not to reap the harvest. Our responsibility is to sow the word. As we speak the word, as we sow the word, as we water the word, the angels will reap the harvest. They will hear it, respond to it, perform it, bring it back into our life. But you got to give God something to work with. You have to use your key. Whatsoever things you bind. Earth is not waiting on heaven, y'all. Heaven is waiting on the earth. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to use my key and give God something to work with. Come on, church. Stand to your feet. Come on. If you got something out of that, come on. Let's give God a praise today. I want you to just bow your heads for a moment. Close your eyes. We're going to do a couple of things. First being, I want to speak to those that are not in a relationship with Jesus. If you're in this place today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, you're not in a relationship with Him. If, that, if that's where you're at today, you say, you know what, Pastor, I'm not in a relationship with Jesus. I, I, I don't know Him. I need to be saved. And I don't want to leave here the same way that I came in. I, I, I just want to know Him today. I, I, I want to know this Jesus you're preaching about. If that's you, under the sound of my voice, or, or if you're watching online, if that's you and you're under the sound of my voice, though, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are? Say, I need Jesus. Thanks for those two hands right there in the middle. God bless you. God sees your honesty, sees your heart. Anyone else say, that's me, Pastor. I, I need Jesus today. I need to be forgiven. I need to be saved. Thanks for that hand back there. God bless you. See those two? One over here. God bless you. Thank you for that hand. Anyone else? 
anyone else. If you're watching online, there's a place that you can click there and say, I need Jesus. You can be saved right there where you're watching. Come on, let's lift our voice together. Let's pray with these hands that have gone up. Everybody say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm asking you today to forgive me for all my sins, to come into my heart, to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God a praise for those individuals. I want you to encourage someone before we pray and do this last song. Would you just preach to somebody real quick? Touch about three people. Look them in the eye and say, use your key. Come on, tell them that. Tell them, use your key. Use your key. I can't use your key. You got to use your key. I'm going to ask the prayer team, staff to come forward. We're going to be prepared to pray for you today and with you. I believe there's power in agreement, but I, I, more than us praying for you today, I believe it'll be awesome, but man, I want you to leave this place and start speaking the word of God over every area of your life, believing that God's word is going to produce a harvest in your life. How many know that his word never returns void? So I don't have to speak my will or my words. When I pray, y'all say, well, Pastor, what do you pray about? You know what I pray usually? This right here. I pray the word. Why? Because Mark says the word is a seed. I'm called to sow seed. So when I pray, I pray the word of God. When I pray for people, if they need healing, you know what I pray? By your stripes, I am healed. They need a blessing in their life financially, I speak. Blessing. Look at, look at Proverbs. Pray Proverbs over God's blessing over your life. Pray protection. God will give his angels charge over All you have to do. See, that, why do you think the enemy fights us so much when we're trying to get into the word? Because the word is forever settled in heaven. There's not a debate there. But God wants to get this from the third heaven into the first heaven. The conflict is in the second heavens. And we have to send forth God's military to do warfare. You guys getting anything out of this? All right, I want you. I, some of y'all looking at me like I got three heads. If you need prayer today, please don't leave without receiving it. We're going to do one more song. Let's just cover this place with the atmosphere of heaven. Let's sing these praises out to God together. Thank you so much for being here. Before we pray for people, can you give God the best praise you have all day? God bless you. Don't forget, tonight at 5 o'clock, groundbreaking. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.